Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Awesome. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Sacred Emergence Podcast. And today I have another lovely special guest for you, and I'm always so blessed and thrilled um, to have amazing people on the show. And today I wanted to introduce you to Lola Archer Pickett. Uh, Lola is so I like magical, fierce, powerful, creative, so many, so many wonderful words. <laughs> So I, I'll share a little bit of how, how we met, but Lola, if you wanted to say hi. Hello, everybody. It's so exciting to be here. And I just, I love the theme of this conversation of what happens when we emerge mm. process. Yeah. So really quickly, um, Lola, I met Lola at uh, an event camp experience called Camp Soul Dust. And I've shared in a previous interview that you and I to get, did together for one of my Facebook lives. Like the first time I saw you, I was like, who is this like fairy nymph that <laughs> just came through? You were just, you had beautiful face paint on, you had your, um, your ears, your animal ears and your, your foxtail. And at first I was kind of like intimidated because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. Um, and then I got to know you a little bit more and you were just so welcoming and very, just it felt really safe to talk to. Uh, and so from there, I just got to know you more and I took uh, one of your courses and I took your second course in pathology. Um, and you've, you've just really helped to transform my life. Um, so I'm so excited that you are here. It's such an honor to be here, and I love hearing that story. And it, it was—I was laughing to myself, thinking she sounded so cool. And then I got to meet her, and I realized she wasn't cool at all. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no. But it's so funny to hear that I could be intimidating because I'm such a dork. So um, I'm glad that you've gotten to see that side of me too. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. And like for those of you who are um, listening to the podcast, uh, I do have my face paint uh, in honor of Lola. So I'm out of laughter. <laughs> oh, good. Yay. Um, yeah, but this will also be on YouTube as well. So you can also watch the video version. Um, so I, I learned after getting to know you that you have a family and you live in Southern California. And it was so funny because at first I was like, whoa, she's like real. I thought you maybe where you lived in the woods. Yeah, I can see how you would think that. I, I have this side of myself that comes out where I'm very wildly expressed and very connected to um, like the untamed or undomesticated version of myself. But also I have like a monogamous marriage and two kids and I live in a house that we bought in San Diego, California. And I think people do get surprised that I have like this normal life. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and that those things don't have to be mutually exclusive, that we can have this 
wild self that comes out at the same time as we're moms or wives or business owners or all these other things that sometimes we get like pretty rigid about how that's supposed to look. So I kind of, I love busting apart those myths. <laughs> I love that because it just made you more interesting and more relatable. And I just wanted, like, it was like, I just, it was, you were very attractive. I wanted to get to know you. Um, Yay. Yeah. And so I like, you know, I've been following you since I met, um, I met you <laughs> um, and your business has evolved and uh, when I first started getting to know you, your work was around the Earth Keepers Council, and I know you did one-on-one -on -one work. Um, and I was transitioned to doing more empath work, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure you were doing empath work in your one-on-one, -on -one, but now it's even more defined. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you also co-created an animal um, tarot oracle deck, which yeah. we'll talk about more later. But that's Yay. amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch the business evolve. It's almost like it started, we have this initial vision of where our brand wants to go and what we're supposed to be doing and what our purpose is. And I have found that the more I allow this business to have its own identity, to have its own personality, to kind of have its own purpose, the more that I can just step into a sacred partnership with it. And we both can evolve that way into what's of highest service. And that's really like what my intention is. So sometimes people, I think from the outside looking in, if you followed me for any given amount of time, it's like you've changed your name, you've changed your focus, you've changed the language that you use to talk about what you do. But underneath all of those kind of superficial shifts to meet where the business wanted to go was this core undercurrent of really looking to empower the folks of this world who are the misfits, who are highly sensitive, who are weird and wild and wonderful, and who have a very hard time figuring out how to thrive without compromising who they are. And mm -hmm. most of my clients in the last 10 years have compromised at some point in pretty significant ways that have ended up being very painful. And they're looking to stop those patterns so that they can step into something that's much truer and learn out of joy and pleasure instead of, oops, I did it again, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's been very helpful to me to begin to articulate this as being an empath's journey, particularly because that's really like the common denominator of all the work that I've been doing. And it's so exciting to me because now people are finding me from that because there's so many more people who identify as empaths than people who are wondering what they're animal spirit might be or trying to pursue a path of, um, you know, esoteric spirituality. So it's made it a lot easier for me to connect with the people that I can help the most. And I'm so appreciative for the evolution. Yeah. And also like, I mean, it's all a part of you though, like with like the animal work and all yeah. of that. Um, I just, I just feel like it encompasses all of who you are. So Yeah. It does. And it's, it's fun to let things morph and shift and remain inclusive of these aspects of ourself, you know, like none of us are supposed to be in a box. And so I really hope that whatever it is people take away from this conversation and from any time that they engage with me is that whatever like rigid limits you're putting on yourself for how you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to say, like I have a shirt that I had printed that says don't should on me. Mm. And that's kind of what I want to instill in everyone is that whatever shoulding you're doing on yourself about how you're supposed to show up or the boxes that you're in, 
bust them apart because you can be a mentor to empaths and have an alchemical animal-based tarot deck. You can have a wildly esoteric business that also talks to neuroscience. You can be a mom and an entrepreneur. You can be in Burning Man attire and go to the grocery store. Like there's a lot of and in my world versus or. Mm, I love that. Especially, I mean, I have to say like being around in your space and your circle, what I've, um, what's really helped me is push the envelope for myself to be seen. Um, yeah. And like, even with like the simple face paint, I just, I remember the first time at camp because you were selling the, um, the markers and I mean, everyone who took your workshops at camp had face paint and it was so fun. (laughs) And yeah. And I, um, I was at the, the shop, like there's a little store at the camp and I was like, should I get these? Like the face paint markers. And one of my friends asked, well, are you going to wear them like after camp? And I was like, uh, probably not. <laughs> and it wasn't until, um, the coursework with you and it was earth keepers council that everybody got one, the face paint. So it was just then I was like, the market came out. <laughs> it's like, fine, I will express myself. <laughs> yeah, and that was super empowering. Like I even wore it to my corporate job at that time. And that felt so liberating. Um, and so that, like what you were saying about you can be all of the things and show up versus kind of box yourself in. I mean, ultimately, I believe we all want to be able to express all of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's this deep craving and we live in a society that is not very accepting of the whole of what it means to be human. You know, we have these very limited opportunities to show up in these very specific roles. And if you are counter to any of those, or you dare to succeed on your own terms in a totally different way, that bucks the status quo. It's like, it's, it feels dangerous. It feels dangerous to our nervous systems. It feels dangerous to the establishments. It feels dangerous to our bosses. And so there's this whole like conspiracy to keep us from doing that very thing. And that's why I love these little bits of rebellion that we can do with like wearing face paint out and about, or um, even just like how we dress ourselves, the words we choose to say, I have this embroidery on the back of my wall that says my third eye can see right through your bullshit. Oh, I love that. And I love like, I love having a cross stitch in my office. That's just like, Oh, it's needlepoint. How sweet. And then it has bullshit all over it. You know, it's like, it's so fun to kind of just play within these systems and structures in order to create something new and better and and ultimately more healthy. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And so with your work right now um because you were saying just like that was a common thread with empathology and that's your um the name of your course see now i say empath and empathology like it's the same (laughs) that's all good (laughs) but it's like it was through your journey as well right with the work that you've created so can you share a little bit of maybe how you got started with your work and what led to this Absolutely. So about 10 years ago, I had a pretty vicious wake-up call in my life. And I think that's pretty common. Um, When you hit 30, things start to unravel uh, for a lot of us, at least for those of us who made choices in their teens and 20s that weren't authentic. And so what started to happen was as I 
got rudely awakened to the fact that this whole life I had built for myself was not at all authentic to me, um, I started to have a real freak out. And that was instigated when I had my first child. He was born, and I remember looking at this newborn baby, and I like was scrolling through social media while I was feeding him one day, and there was this poem about how all of our parents are liars, and mm-hmm. that we've all been raised with this myth that you can grow up to be whoever you want to be, raised by parents who are not doing that for themselves, and you know who are saying one thing and doing something else. And I remember sitting there feeding my child, reading this poem and sobbing because I could see that in that moment, that was me. And here I am wanting to be this person who says you can be whoever you want to be. But I've created this life that's essentially a lie. And so my son really woke me up to the sacred opportunity that we have to create something different and to be honest with ourselves about where things are misaligned and what we could change. So I started to change things in my life. And one of the things that began to change was that my numbness began to dissolve. And when my numbness began to dissolve, because I was starting to be honest with myself and ask hard questions, take responsibility for my choices, I realized how sensitive I was. I was feeling everything. It was like everything in my whole body came back online. All of a sudden, my intuition was telling me things. I was having these psychic dreams. Like everything came back on board. And it was so much, I had no idea what to do with that information. It was like, how do you even sort through all of that? How do you decide what's true? Is what I'm feeling actually my feelings or is it just that I'm so tuned in that I'm starting to feel everybody else's stuff? So that was the time where I started to really realize like, oh, I'm probably an empath. Oh, and I'm definitely a highly sensitive person too, which means that things like loud noises, unexpected music and sounds, strong smells, Um, lots and lots of energy or chaotic environments are way too much for me to handle. And I need to be strategic about how I engage with all of this input all the time, or I will get overwhelmed and shut down again. And I had seen what happened in my life when I shut down and I didn't want to live like that anymore. So I had to start figuring out ways to honor the sensitivity of who I was, to discern what was and wasn't mine and to start setting boundaries for the first time pretty much ever. And so over the last 10 years, that's kind of been my journey of starting to do that for myself. And then as I was experiencing rapid, deep, lasting changes in what was happening in my life from my career to my bank account, to how I was parenting, to how I was feeling, um, to my tolerance for success, to the fears that I was having that were totally different from the ones that I used to have, I started to realize there was so much power available to people like us that didn't ask us to deny who we were. And so that's how I started to show up in my work. Did I call it that? No. At first I was doing graphic design and branding and marketing consulting. Um, But what that was teaching me in the process was that all these people are afraid to be seen. None of them believe their gifts are good enough. All of them are, have imposter complexes and feel like frauds. They're all perfectionists. Um, all, by the way, common denominators of empaths. <laughs> and so like, even though the work over, the, over time has evolved in what it is I'm actually doing, these, these denominators have stayed the same. And now I'm just calling a spade a spade. 
It's like, all right, empaths, here we go. Let's like actually call this thing for what it is. Let's not get into your marketing strategy. Let's not talk about these um, superficial things because until you get to the root of who you are as a person, understand your patterns, start to overcome these fears and engage with the world and your sensitivities in a totally different way, you can slap a pretty brand on it or make a website about it or put an offering together and it's going to just I love it. Yeah. And that like everything that you're like describing, like first, like people please are perfectionists, all of that. It's like so many people check those boxes. Um, But with what you're saying, just instead of putting that slap of brand or sticker over it, it's like letting the your true self emerge, you know, and letting that um, be shown. It's so brave. I mean, it's so brave. I I don't want to make it sound like it was this easy process or this overnight change. Um, It's been 10 years of ongoing work in my life. And there's always nuances and layers to it too, because the more sensitive you become, the more sensitive you become and the more layers there are to unravel of the ways that we hide from ourselves or the ways that we allow overwhelm to get the best of us or we default back into stress responses versus being proactive or, or um, participatory with life. Mm-hmm. We, let, we let things get to us. And the more we show up, the more stuff there is, right? So that's why also a lot of us are afraid of success because it means more visibility, more risk, more feedback. Um, even like having a, a huge bank account can be extremely confronting for us because then it's like, well, I can't trust myself with that. So I'm just going to spend it as fast as possible so that I don't have to hold this. Like I can't hold this. Mm. So there's just millions of layers to this work. And um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to keep going with it in my own life and to watch people do that work with me. It's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. And one thing I have to say I appreciate about you is that you don't um, – you're not like, hey, I have this all down. Like you are transparent about your journey, which is yeah. safe for those who are learning from you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's really important. Thank you for saying that. Um, I always run my classes as though, sure, I have some insight to offer because of my experience with this and because of the trainings that I've taken and the investments I've made in myself, et cetera. And also we're in a circle. It's not a triangle where I'm above you or better than you. Um, we're in a circle and I have some insights that can help illuminate it. And together we all rise up. Like I see the circle rising together versus like you joining me somewhere mystical that doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, I'm a big believer, believer that like leader, there's no hierarchy in leadership. No, no. And it just takes someone having the courage to say, Hey, maybe what I have to say does have value for someone else. Mm Hmm. Let's let it out. Yeah. And like, I just, um, it's so interesting how you're saying it's been a 10 year journey because like people, I think people forget that it's a journey and we can look at someone who's successful and not link it to, well, everyone had to start somewhere. Um, and I remember you shared, I don't know, I hope it's okay to talk about this, but, um, you shared like a video when you first realized, um, like what you were sharing about your realization with your son and how, you know, lots of parents are lying. Like that video that you share was so raw and transparent. And I was like, Oh my God, that was really powerful to watch because yeah. that was what, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
and like that transformation that you've totally different. Yeah. Yeah. And so you weren't afraid to uh, like get into the work. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for people to take home from this. And I'm so grateful that I was documenting uh, my journey at the time because what that's empowered me to create is this very visceral, tangible, relatable spectrum of growth where I get to destroy the pedestal that people will put me on or the assumptions that they'll make. And they can see just how different um, everything about me in my life is from that point until now. But if I would have thought, well, I don't have anything to say yet. I don't have anything of value to add to the conversation yet. Let me just learn more. Let me just disappear more. Let me just hide in my own inadequacy more until I share. Like at some point I'll be ready to share my message or to share my journey or to feel like what I have to say is of use. But if I would have waited for that day, I wouldn't have this amazing real transformation story to share. It would just be hearsay. People would be like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. You've always had it easier. You've always like things just happen for you because you're lucky or because blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's so far from the case. So for anyone who's like in it right now or at the very beginning or feeling like, well, I don't have anything good to say yet. My third eye sees right through your bullshit. <laughs> and, and if you don't share that stuff now, then you're going to be less believable later. Right. And so you really want to trust that wherever you are right now, there's something that could be written in a blog post, something that could be made into a video, something that could be interviewed on a podcast. Like you don't have to be someone to have something to say. You already are someone. Mm, that is so gold. Like a little thumbtack in that one. <laughs> I love it. Got a pin in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, let's um, switch gears just a little bit. And sure. um your wild messenger tarot oracle deck, <laughs> like all of the above. I love it. I love it. Um, and I have it in my hands. Um, yeah. And so like what inspired you to create the deck? Um, yeah. Tell us more. Yeah, sure. So about seven years ago, one of my sensitivities and my gifts that was reawakened in me was being able to tap into the wild spirit element that walks with any given person. And so I started to do um, really not on my own. It was something that kept getting requested of me, what I was calling at the time animal spirit readings. I wouldn't call it that now, but at the time people were literally like lining the block to see what it was that I could find out about them in animal form and reflect back what is ultimately their gifts their opportunities and the aspects of themselves that they don't um, acknowledge or perhaps that they deny and reflect it back to them. And so I did, I think about 2000 of these animal oh, readings wow. over the course of a couple of years. It was pretty insane. I remember I had a week where I did like 50 or 60 of them in one week and it was just outrageous. And over time, um, the work kind of wanted to evolve. And so I shifted gears and I refocused things and, and, but the animals were always with me and they never left this idea of connecting ourselves, connecting to ourselves and what we need to know about ourselves by way of animal messengers 
is still completely valid. And it's something that I have a very strong intuitive connection to. And so I always had in the back of my mind, like one day it would be really fun to create like a card deck or a book or an Oracle deck or something. I'm not sure what it is yet. But I'm just going to like put that away for this like future idea when I have the time. Right. And of course, we never have the time. We have to like take the time or it will get taken from us. And so my husband was like, hey, so we're going to do this project now. And I have reached out to this woman who's going to be making the art for these cards. And we're going to go ahead and do this thing. And the amazing thing about that was that when my husband reached out to the artist that we collaborated with, her name is Tanya Castile, he found her on Instagram. She had this Kickstarter running that she was painting 100 cosmic animals, and he loved her style. And so he reached out to her. He's like, hey, I love your style. You're amazing with painting animals. We're thinking about doing this animal tarot deck. Would you be interested in collaborating? And she like stopped the presses because her response on Instagram was, um, yeah, because I'm doing this Kickstarter to raise money to go on your Peru trip. <laughs> oh my God. Of all people in the universe, she had found out about our um, plant medicine work and our adventures down into South America and had felt like a deep calling to do that with us, unbeknownst to us. So there was this deep cosmic mm. universal alignment thing happening that was totally outside of our intention or our control. And so of course, like, we all said yes to the project because it was too magical not to. She ended up coming to Peru with us and having an incredible experience. And then we got into the actual creation of this card deck, which we did also on Kickstarter and had a pretty outrageous experience with that. We raised $30,000 to publish the deck in one month. And it was just like this awesomely confronting and exciting <laughs> experience to do that and to advocate for our work so fiercely. And then we got into the creation process. So I sat down with my animal medicine and a spreadsheet and all the archetypes of the tarot and the kind of part of someone's journey that each card represents and did this deep journey with each card to see what animal it was that would be best representative of that message. And then whatever would come through me as far as what that animal wanted to share and ended up having this beautiful structure. My husband took the words and the basically channeled guidance that came through and turned it into this incredible hardback book that goes with the deck. And it just became like something that has a life of its own, kind of like the rest of my businesses. They kind of all just have this like, well, we're just going to have them have their sacred emergence and then they're going to take on this, this whole process. Um, and now we have this deck that's all around the world. People are snapping oh. photos of it on Instagram and um, tapping into the medicine and so it feels really good that the animals are still with me and that the work still feels authentic. There's no, um, there's no like stink of cultural appropriation. We really went about this process with as much integrity as we possibly could and as much inclusion as we possibly could. We even reconfigured some of the tarot's naming um, structures and the major arcana names because we wanted to make it more inclusive, not gender specific, so that all of our beautiful misfitted LBGTQI, trans, like everyone could really feel like this is a deck that they could tap into and feel like they're part of it and not apart from it. I love that. And I was just going to say, because I was following this, the whole journey of the, of the process. Um, mm -hmm. And I just so admired how transparent you all were with, like, I forget what um, 
think it was for the the two mystical cards, yeah, wild ones. Mm-hmm. And you had another one chosen, and you it was like cultural appropriation. It was not the right animal or a myth, yeah. mythical creature. So you, but you didn't hide it. Like you, you were so transparent about it. Yeah. We said, Hey, you know what? Thank you for raising your concerns. And you're absolutely right. Uh, we didn't go about this the right way. And it's not our place to include this um, being in our deck. And here's our apology. Here's what we're going to do to change the situation. And also like the person who brought it to our attention, we sent her a free deck in a book because Mm. we're like, you know, even you wanted to be a part of this. And then all of a sudden you didn't when this information came out. And so we still want to, we want to offer you the work. Um, and also like, let you know that you're heard and we're not going to whitewash it. We're not going to like code it with, Oh, but blah, blah, blah. Like, no, just because the animal came through in one of Tanya's meditations doesn't mean that it's appropriate for our deck. So we were happy to come correct on that. And it's like, it's such a good learning experience that we don't always have to be right in this, you know, in this work. It's like, no, there's space for all kinds of perspectives. And we're going to respect those that are coming from the places where these beings were part of their mythology, right? That's, that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and even the name, like I love the name Wild Messenger because like a lot of times it'll be like spirit animal or like, yep. um, and this is just so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we started out on the spirit animal track um, and it wasn't for any reasons culturally. It was basically SEO, <laughs> you know, like T-Grace, like this is what people are searching for. So it would be smart for us to do this. And this was like years before all of this cultural appropriation stuff really started to hit the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as as anything started to come out about that, I was like, oh, er, like bricks full on. I don't care what SEO says. I don't care. Um, I don't care if like we could find legitimacy in that terminology. I don't want to have to find legitimacy. I don't want to have to justify anything about this deck. I don't want any of the conversation to be about anything other than how powerful the magic is of reconnecting to yourself by way of the animals. That's all. And so let's take that distraction off the the table. And I'm sure they will give me a better name for this if we just give it a minute. And they did. It was like, oh, oh, of course it's the wild messengers. Like that's so appropriate and still Mm -hmm. so good. And um, the logo came through and all the little aspects. And it's just you know, you know when you're in alignment because things start to click into place. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it does mean that there's a sense of flow about how the creative process goes. And for sure, as soon as we hit Wild Messengers, it was like, pew, done. Like the whole vision just came to life. Yeah. And I love just the synchronicity that you shared with like meeting with Tanya and just everything. It just like, even like having the deck in my hands, it always feels so good. Um, yeah and your guidebook is incredible like it's not even a well it is a book but it's like it's it's a book packed with it's not even just this is what this card means like there's rituals Mm -hmm. you can do and it's colored and Mm -hmm. uh, like I could just read it on its own without (laughs) when I read it um when I sent Tanya the finished manuscript she's like I think this might just be my favorite book period. Mm, <laughs> like yeah. this is just like a, this is a book, this is beyond a card guidebook, but it also functions as that. It's kind of like having me in 10 years of this work, plus however many lifetimes of um, deep connection with spirit in your pocket that you can just take with you and access whenever. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And so 
because I in your blog a while back you talked about like not googling <laughs> like hey if you if you're thinking that maybe this animal might be sending you a message like avoid googling it so what's your take on that <laughs> I'm so tempted to google I'm like oh. I know I know I did that was like don't google your spirit animal um because what ended up happening for me and what made the readings that I was doing so powerful and so accurate was not what the animal was supposed to mean according to some tradition or some line of thought or what the other bloggers on the internet had to say about it. It was because I'm an empath and I can not only read between the lines of what people were telling me about themselves, but I could also find a way to energetically match them with what I could read between the lines of an animal's essence. And then I would find ways to bridge that together. So it wasn't because I was Googling the answers that made these readings so accurate. And so for ourselves, like what ended up being my biggest lesson in that whole process was trusting that the information that I was intuiting about both the person and the animal was good enough and valid to send to them without trying to confirm it by way of the Google gods, right? And so it doesn't mean that you should never have a reference for any of this stuff, but if we're doing that to the exclusion of getting curious about our own intuition and trusting that what that is saying is valid on its own, that's where we start to steer wrong. And so with these cards, they're not going to tell you something um, new. Like you don't, I don't want people to get codependent on their tarot decks and be like, tell me what I should do today. Oh my gosh, I don't know. It's more like, can you help me see what I already know but can't acknowledge? Or can you help me understand this unconscious pattern that I have in a way that maybe I can't see because I'm too close to it, right? But you're not disempowering yourself. So there's a difference. And that's why I think when we're too fast to reach for a tarot card or reach for Google for an answer before we really get right with ourselves and trust ourselves, that's where the problems start to come into play. So that's how I look at using tarot, not as like a, a navigation tool of like, tell me when to turn right or left, but more like, can you show me what I already know in ways that I haven't been able to access yet? Mm, that is so good. Cause it's true. It's like, we already have that wisdom inside of us. And we do. Yeah. And it's really like a reminder to trust our intuition. Yeah, it really is. And the way that the animals communicated is so, I think more accessible to people because it's like, well, if a, a zebra is a reflection of wearing our unique stripes on the outside, we can get that message in a way that's so much more immediately understandable and like, oh yeah, that's what that's about versus some person telling us what we should be doing. It's mm. like if an animal is the messenger, we trust it more. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because we have hundreds of thousands of years of revering animals and looking to them to teach us about ourselves. I happen to think that's why. I love it. And I just <laughs> love, yeah, animals, like there's like animals are just special. So they're special. Yeah. They're special. And they all have very unique things, at least according to what I find when I tap into them, they all have very unique messages and none of them are more valid than others. So I know like when it comes to, you know, the conversations around power animals or those kinds of things, people are like, well, I would never want a mouse or a cricket or a, <laughs> a vulture or whatever. 
That's what I loved about this deck is not only is it inclusive of all the humans who are going to work with it, but of all the valid um, wisdom that every type of animal has. There's ants in the deck, there's vulture, there's narwhal, there's flamingo, like there's all kinds of animals that aren't um, necessarily traditionally considered to be like spiritual archetypes, but they have things to share with us in the way that they behave biologically, in the way that they look, in the way that they reproduce. Uh, and that's where a lot of my like data comes from that forms the metaphors and the poetry and the kind of guidance around these animals is really getting to know them as a being. Like, how do you behave in the wild? I want to know that versus what Google has to say about your meaning. Mm, so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, I well, I have another question. Well, I have to, a few, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I thought would be fun is if I uh, shuffled your deck and pulled a card, and you can share with us what it means. Um, That's great. Yeah, and then afterwards, um, for people who may want to further work with you or learn more about you. Um, Let's share that first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Easy enough. So I have two websites and you can get to the other by way of the first one. So my main website is lolapickett.com and that's L-O-L-A-P-I-C-K-E-T-T.com. Not like my mother-in-law who says, just like the fence. I'm like, Jane, <laughs> not our name. <laughs> very funny. Um, so Lola Pickett, not like the fence. And um, from there, that'll take you over to wildmessengers.com where you can learn about the deck. But you can also find out about all my classes that I have that are ongoing when I'm going to be launching Empathology again. I have a really cool quiz for empaths to find out what kind of empath you are. Um, all kinds of really cool tools for the sensitive folk. And that's over at Lola Pickett. Yay. And I will put all that information in the show notes. Um, all right, cool. Let me shuffle, shuffle. You have a particular way of selecting your cards? There is no right or wrong way. For me, it's like a shuffle till I feel complete, and then I usually try to spread them out, and then I'll run my hand over them and kind of wait for almost like a tap, tap of like, this is yeah. the card. I usually like to, um, I do something similar, and I'm waiting for that tingle. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, where's yeah. the tingle or where's the little like bump or where does it feel slightly different? Um, sometimes cards will just hop out of the deck too. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly you wanted to be part of this conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm doing this on my lap. So let me just pull one. And this, uh, let's see, I guess the question would be like, what, what do the listeners and the viewers need to know? Great. All right. I'm feeling this. Oh, what is it? Oh, the elephant. The elephant. Yay. Which is, which of air, which number of air? Seven of air, is that what that says? Yes, seven. I can't, I can't remember where they all ended up. So elephant. I'm just going to go from what needs to be said right now versus what's in the book, but the book will have additional dimension to add to it, I'm sure. But elephant is really about our ancient feminine wisdom and connecting to our healthy ancestors. Um, we all have lineages, no matter where we come from, of healers, herbalists, medicine women, wise women, ceremonialists, uh, midwives, all kinds of women who are connected to the earth. 
And for many of us, those lineages have had decades, hundred year periods, even thousand year periods where those lineages were destroyed. And the elephant is a reminder that ancestral wisdom never dies, that it's always humming beneath the surface of what's audible, and that it's up to us to tune ourselves to that frequency so that we can remember what we already know, so we can stop looking outside of ourselves for our validation, our wisdom, our, our connection um, to each other and to this earth, and that we have a bigger impact than we could ever understand that every footstep of ours makes an imprint. And to know that is what begins to help us be responsible with our power. Wow. I love that. And that is so appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, boom. (laughs) I love, I love this so much. And I have no idea what it says in the book because that was totally when I was writing it. But Mm -hmm. the reason I said that about like, there's always this hum beneath the audible surface of what our ancestors have to say is that elephants have such a wide variety of sounds that they make that the only way you can hear some of them is to audio record them and slow down the frequency and the playback. So where the low, low, low tones can actually become heard by human ears and they're communicating all the time across miles and miles of savanna or jungle, depending on where they are living. Um, and nobody but the elephants can hear it. Right. So that's our ancestors all the time. And it's our job to find ways to like deepen into that frequency because it's there all around us. We just need to open our ears. I I'm just getting chills all over. (laughs) That was really powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. They're beautiful messengers, and I'm so glad they get to participate today, too. It's kind of a fun, like, juxtaposition of the worlds that I play in. Like, here I teach empaths, and here I offer a tarot deck, but um, they're actually not so disconnected. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Lola, for your time and your energy and just sharing your wisdom with us. My pleasure. It's so nice to be here, and May all of you who are listening and watching really honor the opportunity that you have to let who you really are in the inside out. We all only have one precious lifetime in this body, in this personality, at this time in the world. And my hope is that all of us who have kind hearts really make the most of it. Mm, Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, check out Lola's work and we'll see you. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.